Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Hi there, family. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I hope, uh, hope the season is going well for you. If you're at all like me, you can feel the speed increasing, right? There's all the holiday festivities that go on, all the extra things. But, and sometimes that's really nice. And sometimes it's like, I need to catch a breath, right? So I hope this morning that you're catching a breath. I hope that you are enjoying your time with Jesus. I am Really grateful for all the volunteers that are right over here on this side of the church right now. They're uh, doing the the Bethlehem Village uh, for our kids. And if you get a chance, go out there and make sure you take a look at that. It's pretty awesome. Today, we're going to be talking about gifts. Gifts. The simplest of gifts. And I imagine all of you can think of some of the favorite gifts you've received in your life. And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And the text that I've chosen to go with this sermon is found in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And rather than just being passive, I would love for you to actually say this out loud with me as we begin. So if you would just read this with me so I don't feel like I'm all by myself up here, right? And you can read it. It'll be on the screen right here behind me. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we love you. As we ponder the incredibleness of you becoming human and entering time. And not just doing that, but engaging us, living like us, being with us, extending friendship to us. Lord, we pray that we would be drawn closer to you and accept that gift this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. So as I think about gifts and the greatest gifts that people can give, um, I think of Furman Fordham. Um, Furman Fordham, his friends call him Puck. I didn't know Furman Fordham when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I lived in Nashville hmm, about six years before I knew Furman. And I'm embarrassed to say that because the fact of the matter is that Furman pastored a church not 15 minutes from the church that I would wind up pastoring. I didn't know him. Didn't know him at all. My first five years in Nashville, I was was working, doing youth work on a kind of a regional kind of uh, situation where I worked in Kentucky, but I was based out of Nashville and in the western part of Tennessee. And so that was the first five years. And then uh, then I was asked to pastor the Madison Campus Seventh-day Adventist Church, a predominantly uh, historically white church in Nashville. 
has about 1,600 members and, uh, and is by far and away one of the largest Seventh-day Adventist churches in that area. And it didn't take me long to realize that having pastored a, the largest church I'd pastored before is about 450 members, so I had quadrupled the size of my church, that there was a lot of stuff I needed to learn. And the fact of the matter was I felt a little bit lonely. Some people have, you've heard the saying that leadership can be lonely, and it can be. And so what I knew is that I really needed to find somebody who was in a similar situation to me, who could give me advice, that could be a friend, that I could talk to and say, hey, this is, I'm, what do I do here? What, what do you do? What, somebody could call up and say, hey, I just need somebody to pray with me. And so I started looking for that person. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't find Puck. Puck found me. We were in a meeting together um, that had been called. We happened to show up at the same meeting. And I listened to him talk, and I thought, this, this guy pastors a church, a Seventh-day Adventist church, about 15 minutes away from me. I didn't even know who he was until this meeting. But his church is, is large church too, big staff. He's in a similar situation to me. But can I just be a little bit transparent with you? I thought, I don't know. Would we have anything in common? Would he be the right person to, to be in that friend-mentor relationship? In case you didn't notice, there's a little bit of a difference in, in skin color. Can we just be a little transparent about these things? Is that okay? But you know what I heard God saying to me, Ken, you need to reach out. You need to tell him. You need somebody. And so I texted him. I'd gotten his cell phone. I texted him and said, hey, I really need a friend. I need somebody who can even do a little bit of mentoring with me. And you've been at your church for a long time. I wonder if you'd be willing to do that for me. And Puck responded immediately, absolutely. And what began is a, is a friendship that has been transformational in my life. In a very dark, lonely part of my life, Puck was there for me. He had experience. He understood the things I was going through. We were friends. We are friends. And what we realized, and I think it surprised both of us, was just how much we had in common. You know, sometimes we let little things like skin color get in the way of what could be beautiful relationships. We think that because somebody votes differently than we do, that somehow there wouldn't be commonality or an opportunity for friendship. And Puck destroyed those ideas in my mind because of what we had in common. We both grew up going to private Seventh-day Adventist schools. We both became pastors uh, through a different venue than going through the traditional theology track in an Adventist college. He was a business major. I was a public relations major. Both of us were, were youth pastors during college. He was in Australia. I was in New Zealand. 
we both married uh, early childhood educators, uh, teachers. It, it turned out that we had far more in common than we had differences. But we did have some differences. And one of the beautiful things that, that I came away from with Puck was that when I had issues that I was trying to work on in Madison campus, I could call him and say, what do you do? What do you think? And he'd give me great advice. Always there for me. Could count on it. But even more beautiful than that, can I just tell you as a white male, sometimes there's some questions you want to ask, but you don't want to ask because if you ask those questions, you're afraid that you're going to look like a racist. You're afraid that when you ask, it's a legitimate question in your heart, but you know that maybe that won't be very well received because maybe it won't. And one of the things that I valued about my relationship with Puck was that I could ask those questions and that he would know that they were coming from sincere heart that just was trying to understand and wrap its mind around a world that's changing and that I'm trying to understand. You know, my friendship with Puck was kind of during a pretty pivotal time in American history, right? We went through, we've been through a lot of racial issues in the last three or four years, haven't we? And to have a friend who had a different worldview, who had a different lens than I did, and to be able to ask the honest questions that I had, you know, one of the, one of the questions I, I said, you know, can I just be honest with you, Puck, it really bothers me every time I hear this word white privilege. I've worked really hard for what I have in life. Now, if you are from a, a person of color, that's a pretty ignorant question for a white guy to ask, right? It doesn't sound particularly pleasant. But I'm always going to be grateful for what Puck said. Well, let's talk about that. And we had a conversation about it. And at the end of it, my worldview shifted. My worldview shifted. I'd always had the opinion that if you did what the police asked you to do, you'd be okay. And only people who didn't listen got in trouble. With Puck and some of my other friends that I grew into that community with, I suddenly realized that here are people that I love and respect that are just like me that are not having the same experience with law enforcement that I have. Puck changed my worldview in ways that I consider incredibly positive. Why? Because when I asked an ignorant question, he didn't treat me like I was an idiot. He treated me like I was a well-meaning person who needed some answers, who needed some expansion. I'd like to think that there were some things that I was able to share with Puck that also enlarged his life a little. I don't know. I'd like to think that, but I know my life is different because of that. If you really think about it, the greatest thing about friendship is that it's transformational. A friendship that doesn't create transformation is not a friendship. It's an acquaintance. Can I say that one more time for you? I really need you to hear that. It's not friendship if there's no transformation. It's an acquaintance. Because friends transform each other. The Bible has a little saying that iron sharpens iron. Meaning that when you're in a friendship with somebody, you're going to sharpen each other. You're going to change each other. 
I will always be glad for that friendship. Now, a couple of you who are like, okay, so what on earth does this have to do with the text that you're talking about? And what does this have to do with Christmas? I came here to talk about Christmas, not racial issues, not whatever. Let's talk about some warm, fuzzy things. Sorry. This is what I do. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does this have to do with friendship? This is a beautiful verse about baby Jesus being born, and he's awesome, right? Well, can we go back in the chapter, go to the very beginning of chapter 9, and take a look at what it says? This is what the beginning of chapter 9 says. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, and there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what's happening here. When Isaiah is writing these these words, there were 12 tribes of Israel originally, right? And the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali were on the far end of the territory. So what that meant was that whenever invaders came, they came through Zebulun and Naphtali first. And, you know, if you're the first one, when an invading army comes through, you get the worst of it. You get the worst of it. And so that's what's happening is Isaiah is writing to the people in Zebulun and Naphtali. They are going through a time of darkness and despair. Their lives are difficult. But here's the incredible thing. He says this very place that's filled with gloom and despair and darkness, this place, the place where the hurt is the worst, is the place where the Messiah is going to show up. Yeah, all those other places down further, you'll get a, you'll get a bit of a taste of Jesus, but you know where Jesus is going to hang out? Galilee, along that Jordan corridor, that's where the Savior is going to come. So darkness and despair now, but guess what? The day is coming where something incredible is going to happen. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, the light will shine. We all understand what darkness does, right? You turn off the lights, even in a familiar setting, you'll stub your toe occasionally, won't you? The light eliminates the uncertainty. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoicing at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and the heavy burden from their shoulders the heavy burden from their shoulders. I want you to keep that in mind what's coming up in six. The government will be on whose shoulders? You see, when we try to run ourselves, it's a pretty heavy burden. But when we let that burden be on Jesus, he carries the government. He covers the leadership. So the question is, do you want to carry it or do you want to let Jesus do it? You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniform stained by blood, uh, by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. In other words, there's no more need 
There's no, no, no more need for, for the implements of war anymore. Those can be burned up and put away. Why? And here's where our verse actually comes in. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can we go ahead and just take this verse apart really quick? A child is born to us. A child is a vulnerable being. And God became vulnerable. But what does it say? A son is given to us. We could actually substitute the word gifted to us. A child is born to us. A son is gifted to us. You see, God did not owe us his son. He gifted us his son. And the government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, for those of you who are tired of carrying around the weight of the world on your shoulders, God says, let me do it. I am happy to do that. Can we just be honest? There is not a human government that has ever existed that has solved the problems of the world. There isn't. I'll go one step further, and this may not be popular, but I'll say it. There is not one denomination that has solved the problems of humanity. There's a lot of, of, of religiosity, a lot of religious bureaucracy that's been created. And, and I'm not against that because you have to have structure. But it is a ginormous mistake to think that the structure of a church or denomination is what's going to save people. That, that is somehow going to create the solutions because I do not know of a single government, a single administration, a single church denomination that has not oppressed people somewhere. But not God's government. And I know that we sometimes get them confused. I know we sometimes think, oh, well, the Seventh-day Adventist church is like God or the Baptist church is like God. Or No, no, no. We do our best in our human frailty, but God's government is something different. It's perfection. Don't mistake what people do with what God is doing and will do. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Remember when I talked about Puck? Puck was a great counselor for me a great counselor. He provided amazing counsel. And you know, Puck, he was, he was, uh, there were a couple times where Puck came through for me in a situation where I needed help. He had strength of character and he would speak up on my behalf. I could always count on Puck. He was around when I needed him. And because of our friendship, he brought peace into my life. And so when I, when you see these four descriptions of Jesus, I want you to see a description of a friend. He's a wonderful counselor. We live in a world where we need some good advice, don't we? The best advice comes from Jesus. He is a wonderful counselor. He has the solutions to the problems you face. He has the strength being the mighty God, to lift whatever burdens are on you, to take care of whatever issues seem insurmountable. He can help you with your biggest problem. He's the everlasting father. You know, we have fathers in this world, and even the best of fathers 
we lose them at some point, don't we? They pass away and we miss them. But not our heavenly father. He is everlasting. Jesus is our everlasting father. We can count on him to be the best of fathers to us always. Never letting us down. Always available anytime we need him. Everlasting. And finally, we can count on Jesus to be our Prince of Peace. In a world where we feel chaos and angst and hurt and fear, we can count on Jesus to bring that into our lives. You see, Jesus, we often talk about Jesus coming to save us from our sins, and that's correct. And most importantly, came to be our friend. I want to ask you how long eternity is going to be with somebody that isn't a friend. What good is it for Jesus to purchase our salvation and and give us all of eternity and then force us to hang out with him when we don't care about him and don't like him and he doesn't like us? You see, I think what's most important about what Jesus came to do on this earth was he came to demonstrate his friendship with us, his oneness with us, his solidarity with us. It's one thing to speak to somebody in their pain. It's another thing to enter into their pain with them. And that's what Jesus did. You see, I think God's greatest gift I, I want salvation. I want, to, I want to be in heaven. But what I want most is friendship with God. And Jesus came to be God with us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the ultimate friend. You see, he, because of this friendship, we don't have to worry about darkness and a light will shine in our life. Because of this friendship, our our territory will be expanded and we will be able to rejoice. Because of this friendship, the yoke of slavery that we experience in this world will be broken. The heavy burdens that are on our shoulders will be taken away. The oppressor's rod in our life, broken by Jesus. We don't have to go to war anymore because he is the mighty God. For a, say it with me, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. His rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Hear this, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. It did in Bethlehem and it is today. This Christmas, it's simple. The greatest gift ever given is friendship with God. And the greatest gift you can give this Christmas is sharing that gift with others 
and sharing the gift of your friendship with those who need it. Now is the time for a Q&A, and you may have a lot of questions if you've come in late why I am dressed like this. Um, there is a, a whole thing going on outside, the life of Jesus, and um, and uh, there's a Bethlehem market. Make sure you check it out, and um, it's a lot of fun. And I'm out there uh, with the spice, and I have— uh, You bring the spice. I bring the spice. Yeah. Uh, this is some frankincense, and uh interesting thing is it's— in comes in rock form and it doesn't smell like anything until you crush it. And um, just like uh, Christ's body was crushed for us, we must crush the frankincense. So little metaphor there with that. Hey, nice, Stanley. <laughs> All right. And those are some of the gifts. That's why I'm talking about the, there we go. the gifts. So today's sermon talk was about gifts. Um, and if you have not submitted a question, please go to wholelife.church slash live and join me in the chat room or on, or on Facebook and just find the video and post a comment there. We are always looking for comments. If we don't answer them here, we will answer them later uh, at on later on the podcast. So um, here's a quick question. So you know how you give people a gift um, and can you imagine if it was rejected and how devastating that would be? How long will God continue to offer this gift of Jesus and just continually be rejected over and over. <laughs> How long will he do that? Um, well, Jesus said in the Bible that uh, when, when he was asked uh, how many times we should forgive, he, he uh, was asked whether, you know, up to seven times, which the disciple thought was pretty generous. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And so how long will God do it? Um, you know what? I don't think that there is. A, I don't think there is a number that you can put on things. I think that we all need to be careful because the more we reject God, the the harder it is for us to sometimes come back and accept Him. But that's uh, again something that I think is on our end, not so much on God's end. I've wondered about that number. Was that number meant to just be so high that you wouldn't keep track, or is it like, well, there are limits? how many times you should forgive somebody. I think the idea was that it would be hard to keep track of that many times. Although I know some people who would try that out probably. <laughs> yeah. A little tally mark. Yep. Um, all right. And we got a another comment that's maybe um, not about gifts, but um, this person said that they were actually disappointed to hear about white privilege today in our sermon. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you want to comment about that or if we should just move on. And maybe maybe answer that later if it's too hard of a thing to answer right now. Yeah, no, I mean that's I think that's a fair question um, to bring up. Uh, one of the things that I would just say, um, and, and maybe the the answer to that is this: um, I think that one of the important things in life is to have friends that don't look like you and don't think like you, and. I know that it's a very contentious discussion on this particular topic in some areas. But what I would challenge everybody to do is to find somebody who sees the world differently and listen to them. Don't debate them. Listen to them. And hear where they're coming from. Um, I think that sometimes we have this idea that as a white male, if I think that there, if I give any inkling that there might be white privilege in the world, somehow I'm admitting that I don't deserve what I have. And I think that's, um, I think all of us don't deserve what we have. 
but I think there's also an acknowledgement that needs to be made that some of us have some extra blessings in life. I think that if we live in the United States, we have some extra blessings in life. And I do think that it's worth our while, like I said, to talk to somebody who doesn't look like you and maybe doesn't have that viewpoint and really listen as opposed to formulating the argument for why you're right and they're wrong. Um, and, and I think too many times what happens is, is that we, we don't enter into friendship with people. We enter into a debate with people. And I think that was one of the differences with, for me, with uh, Puck and I's relationship was we didn't enter into that to have a debate on white privilege. We entered in it to be friends. And as he spoke into my life, there were some things that I learned that were very helpful for me as a human being to be aware of. Even if I don't agree, to understand where somebody else is coming from is really important. So I would just encourage that. Well said, well said. Um, what is the greatest gift that someone could give someone? Um, not talking about Christmas, but what's the greatest gift? I think the gift of yourself. You know, I think that, that I think the greatest gift we can give anybody is our time and our, and our love, um, friendship. And, and to me, that is the ultimate gift that we can give because there's so many excuses not to give it. Oh, you don't, you don't, you're talking about something I don't agree with. You're doing this, that, and we, we write people off so quick. And so, um, this Christmas, my encouragement to all of you is it's the easy thing to do is give gifts of things. The harder thing is to give, give gifts of our time and our relationship with others. And my favorite gifts to give and to receive these days are not things that I can unwrap, but time that I can spend with the people that I care about and love and the people that I need to care about and love. Is there anything that we as a church can do to help facilitate those uh, times of giving your friendship? And yeah. um, You know, one thing that comes to my mind is that we're going to be starting some small groups in uh, January and February. We're going to have uh, eight weeks of that. And I think that sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable to um, to go put yourself in a group with people that you don't necessarily always know um, or to even with sometimes with people you do know. And, it, and our time is so busy and frantic, but I, I'm really hoping that as a church, it's eight weeks that we're going to start off with here. And there's a firm deadline. The end of February, we're going to be, we're going to finish that small group up and we don't have plans for future small groups. I mean, we want to do some more, but this is the one we're doing. Uh, we're going through a book called The Common Rule. I think it's going to be a fabulous way Great to start book. the year off. We've read that together. And um, and so I think it'll be a really great thing. And so if you're interested in leading a group, you can sign up to lead a group. You can also, we already have some groups that have already said, hey, yeah, we're in. You can sign up and be a part of one of those groups. And I think that's one of the ways to start entering into relationship and friendship. Excellent. Do you have a gift uh, for me today? You already have my friendship. So you have the greatest gift I could give, Stanley. So yep. however they're in the well, lobby. Well, you want more? In the lobby. And if if uh if friendship is uh is pretty good, chocolate's the second runner up, right? So we no might too. have a gift out in the lobby for awesome. everybody. So I've I've heard that there are gifts for you out in the lobby today. So Merry Christmas and enjoy that. I've got to get back to Bethlehem. Thank you so much for answering these questions. And uh if there's any that are submitted online. 
We will answer them in the podcast called This Is Whole Life, everywhere that podcasts are heard, even Bethlehem. I'll see you guys next time. Aren't you glad that God gave up his privileges to come and be here with us? Aren't you glad that God did not consider, that Jesus didn't consider equality with God to be something to be hung on to, but was born as a baby? I feel like I just have to speak to that question that was asked. That's the person who said that they were disappointed that we would talk about this. I'd be disappointed if we didn't. I don't have a problem with people disagreeing with it, but what I do have a problem with is when we're not going to be kind to each other, we're not going to listen. And this is a church that's going to do those things. We're going to listen to each other. And whether you, whether you believe in that or not, you have a place here. The point of the sermon today was about friendship. I invite you to enter into it unreservedly with those around you. The point of Christianity is humility. It's not about grasping on to what I have. It's about letting go of what I have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We care about you. We're grateful that you cared about us enough to come here and be with us, to humble yourself, to be our friend. Lord, may we allow your friendship to not be an acquaintance, but to be a friendship that transforms us. We pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. Last week, I told you that there might be a gift. I don't, I, I was just offhandedly saying it, but as soon as I said it, Tammy ran into motion and there's some chocolate out in the lobby for you. Merry Christmas. Love you, family. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church/podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.